0: And you shouldn't be pressured at a bar to drink a cocktail if you don't wanna drink a cocktail. But that's, that's everywhere. If you're with a group of people and six out of seven people got cocktails and you didn't, like someone's gonna make a comment. And is it, you know, is it, you know, directly aimed at your character? Like, no, but is it the comment that you have to take for that moment? Yes, and is it uncomfortable? Yeah, can it ruin a night? Absolutely.
1: Welcome to The Catch-Up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Abram, Editor-in-Chief, and
0: Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously.
2: Of the craziest, most
0: bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms, Food. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright,
1: and welcome to The Ketchup.
0: Welcome back, fatties. It's a Jeff here, and today we've got Food Beast Managing Editor, host of Taste the Details, Reach Ginto, wow. filling in for eli and his gimpy knee uh producer izzy's also on a mic this week's ensuring that this podcast will be a doozy but today the food beast crew is catching up with food and beverage writer Anne marie paneringan or the the filipino pronunciation paneringan Exactly. (laughs) Who's written for a number of publications, including Modern Luxury, OC Weekly, and recently penned an article for The Voice of OC entitled, Spirit Backward, Dry Drinking Takes Root, talking about the new trend of zero-proof bars and zero-proof, quote-unquote, drinking. (laughs) Yes, you heard that correctly. Bars and cocktails with no alcohol and we're excited to dive into this boozeless new world. Welcome to the catch up.
2: Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what an intro. Can can you can you give us the story of your first zero proof cocktail and what it was?
2: I will say I mean to be very honest, my first my first experience learning about zero proof was probably at a place in Fullerton, in North Orange County, at a place called Journeyman. It was very high-end, very price-fix, super focused on many ingredients in one dish. Uh, The head bartender there, Stephen, was very much into making his own bitters and amaros, all the components of cocktails, but he was also very fascinated by the non-alcoholic side. Since there are people who don't drink yeah and he actually turned me on to the idea of it and I that's where i started trying a, a brand called Seedlip.
0: okay and when when was that and seed lip the brand you're referring to that is the quote-unquote non-alcoholic spirit yes. right like what like what else would you call what, what else would you call it right because i feel because i okay uh, i was gonna food. tell the story a little later but it's just like so up in my mind like i was looking for these spirits today Mm -hmm. but they're not spirits so i i'm spiritless so i'm going to i'm going to these groceries i went to a mother's market i went to a whole foods and i walk into the mother's market and i look at the aisle of beer and wine and i'm like hey they say this brand's website says this is sold here and people have no idea what I'm they talking about. you crazy, right? Yeah, because I was like, oh, um, <laughs> by the way, this is what it looks like. And I know it looks like a spirit. And I know, mothers, you're a beer and wine-only liquor-licensed store. But this is a non-alcoholic spirit. <laughs> so do you have it? So anyway, I'll I'll tell the full story later. But see, Seedlip, what you just mentioned, Emery, was... That's one of the quote unquote non-alcoholic spirits. Yes. And do you remember what the cocktail was, or anything? Do you remember anything about the initial cocktails, even if you don't remember the specific flavors? But what did you think when you were tasting that zero quote unquote zero-proof cocktail slash mocktail?
2: I think I was still just trying to wrap my head around the idea that I was having a cocktail or a mocktail, but it you know wasn't going to affect me in any way shape or form.
3: Yeah. Were you just weirded out by that or?
2: Yes. I mean <laughs> in a very, yeah, simply correct. <laughs> I just couldn't I just couldn't fathom it.
0: Cuz I think I sit I'm I'm assuming and I don't know this for sure, but I probably sit on the other side of the spectrum because I've actually been drinking mocktails for a long time uh because I I don't know if it's genetic, but I was reading about. Um, there's a number of people who have a genetic trait in which the anything the taste of alcohol, like they just it's pretty disgusting to them. To the point where it's not just like oh I don't like red wine, but like oh there's a there's an aversion to what's happening.
2: Is that like people with cilantro?
0: I th- so that's what I was reading. They were describing it in the in the same fashion. Now I don't think I have that, but. I definitely have an aversion to the taste of most spirits. You must have saved so much money in your early 20s. I've, I, definitely, <laughs> I definitely saved a lot of money. But I was also a lot of the time that random guy in the bar that's like asking for a Coke and also being served in like the glass that's. Hey, you're not drinking a drink because it's like a tall sil- <laughs> cylinder glass, and no one or back in the day, all the cocktails were in, uh, like you martini know, martini or or the yeah, they're what a what, yeah, then tumblers, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like I always would stand out because I'm the only one drinking whatever.
2: Soda guy, point at your glass. <laughs> yeah. See, you're thinking saving money. I was thinking more like designated Dave.
0: Oh. Yeah, and I was definitely I've been a designated driver for the most most of my life cuz look, I'm just as happy sipping on a uh uh what's I'm blanking on on the drink. The Shirley Temple. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like like give me a light pink soda beverage with a maraschino cherry and I'm just like I'm good. It's
2: all about the grenadine.
0: And so and on top of that, there's been places in LA so uh a couple years ago, um, our mutual friend Bobby Navarro, who r- runs the Food Beast event, um, he took me to he took me on a mocktail tour that he derived. Like it wasn't one of those things where you purchase a tour and mm-hmm. and go. So this is a couple years ago. This is a couple years ago.
3: Think things were already popping in zero so proof.
0: So on yeah, things have been happening in zero proof, but not to this degree. But. To give you my experiences, I went to Hinoki and the Bird, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. a very renowned restaurant in Los Angeles. Also went to Gracias Madre. I think they were on kind of like the forefront of, you know, the bigger investment uh, vegan restaurants before they became a real big thing. And both of them had specific mocktails on their cocktail menu that you could purchase. And both of them actually had multiple mocktails. And so that was the first time I sat with that and was like, Oh, I could sit at a bar and order something, f- feel like I'm still in the right place and not be drinking.
3: And I- I'm curious, have you, when did, have you had a mocktail reach? I've not had a mocktail. I just, for me, it's hard to reconcile <laughs> paying the same prices I'm paying for a cocktail, eight to $11, $12, 15 if you're in LA. Um, and it's not a cocktail. You right. know what I mean? like I'm paying for like glorified juice right here. You I know? mean,
2: most restaurants, that they hit the revenues more from the, the alcoholic side than from the food. Hey, Reach,
1: yep. let me ask you this. Why are you willing to pay that regularly when it's still more than you would get if you were drinking a Budweiser at home? You're still getting wow. buzzed. Why are you willing to pay an extra $10 when you're going out to a restaurant for that same type of alcoholic effect that you might be getting
3: that's a great question and maybe i'm just falling into the trap of ambiance sure (laughs) or or even just believing in the magical properties of alcohol and thinking like that should warrant an upcharge of x amount of dollars
2: social norms also here's here's
1: what i think uh for both cases why hit him izzy why i think you're willing (laughs) to pay for it more and maybe other people in the non-alcoholic side might be willing to pay for it more is because you just want to hang out with your friends and have a mm-hmm. good time. Sure. I think that's what it boils down to. You're willing to pay $14 for alcohol if you're at a club with your friends. You're enjoying yourself. And, it yeah, it costs a lot more. It's definitely probably not worth whatever you're paying for it. But you're paying for the experience to be there with your friends. It's just a different type of experience when it's in the non-alcoholic spectrum.
3: And I'm with you there, but I'm also like, hey, it's great to pay for that the low wearing of inhibition. <laughs>
0: okay, well, I think Emery, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned something that I want to. I want to s- stick for a second is anyone who's worked in food and beverage knows that the margins of that industry come through your bar, come through your program versus the food. Like the amount of food cost and labor and everything that it takes to operate a restaurant, you can be vastly more profitable if you have an an ABC license and you're able to serve, I mean, at the very least beer and wine, right. but then on top of that, if you can serve cocktails, like there's just another level of revenue that you can hit when you get that license. But what's interesting to me about your comment reach is if you actually, un, like if you looked at where the margin is on that $14 cocktail, right? And like, obviously it's obviously gonna pl- differ from place to place, but the cost of that product is probably in the, dollars range at max
2: I mean depends on if they're fresh squeezing something for sure no I'm just
0: saying like from like the spirit the the stuff that's not in a mocktail right just like the spirit alone and obviously depends on your spirit so don't you know but I'm just I'm guessing like the average $12 LA cocktail that uses a mid-tier spirit right the amount of retail value in the liquid that's being poured is still not the level at what you think it is in a $14 cocktail, right? Because, and I think that's where for me, if the, again, you, and I'd love to hear the what you've experienced with the price point with these mocktails. Because for me, they've been pretty similar. What you mentioned, Reach, like in the $8, $8, eight,
3: $8 range, yeah. $10 range. Um, but yeah, like, are we, I mean, do you bat an eye when you pay $11 for a mocktail?
0: I mean, I'm going to. Yeah, I, I am. I'm totally going to bat an eye because I think we've been conditioned to say that there are cocktails that are worth X and a mocktail because you're not getting the inebriation or the deluxe spirit or whatever. You're going to immediately downgrade it F- me and that's me included. Sure. So like I have, I have a hard time with it too. But is that because we, do we overvalue cocktails? because like when we look at food right and when when a fried chicken right when there's a whole fried chicken for $48 on a restaurant menu right are we okay with that and are but are we okay with the $14 cocktail like because if you looked at the cost of the labor and the food product and the preparation i think the food and beverage tends to be vastly different and that's why i'm like why are we okay with the $15 cocktail but we're you know well, We're the, not
3: okay with the $11 mocktail. Isn't Correct me if I'm wrong. It, isn't there so much that goes into distilling a spirit?
0: I mean, from what... I, and I'm not the biggest drinker. I've been on a few distillery tours, like, but I haven't... I mean, yes, there is There is a lot. I mean, especially with what we experienced, Reach, you and I going to Guadalajara. Yeah. Um, the farming of agave and bringing that to a processing plant to where... They can then put it in, you know, and distill it to bottle it, distribute it, market it, and then drink it. Yeah, there's totally a lot. Yeah. But I think there's always been this dichotomy for me that's like food doesn't make the majority of revenue in top tier restaurants. Like the booze does because we're okay with paying the a margin that we're unaware of right and again i think this is good for restaurants i need these restaurants to to survive off their bar margins but i'm curious do we that's why i'm do you guys overvalue do you think america overvalues the cocktail or does it just like are we undervaluing the mocktail and we should value it and i'm curious on on your opinion
2: there that's a really loaded question
0: totally yeah
2: break it down unload it well, what I was thinking about while you were talking is I personally think it just depends on what you as an individual value. Okay. Before I started doing professional writing, I was all about the food. I really wasn't I drank, but I never went beyond one cocktail, never went beyond one glass of wine. It was more just, oh, well, here's some food, I'll have a drink. But when I had when I started researching, going to more bars, trying to understand spirits more, I understood the value of having a cocktail almost more than having the meal because of the I see the time and energy. You don't usually get to see the kitchen unless they purposely build the restaurant that way making your food. But at a bar, there's really nothing to hide behind. And once I realized that there are, you know, when we started getting to an age where, you know, people started calling them mixologists or people started spending 10 to 15 minutes on your drink, things that were way more than three or four ingredients, then my value for the cocktail kept going up and up yeah. and up. And I personally started to justify, you know, based on my knowledge or based on watching that person spend so much damn time on my drink. Okay, I, I'm willing to spend more than 10 or $12 on this. I mean, th- there's certain limits, but... There's a level of craftsmanship to it that you appreciate, mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. I mean, you you appreciate the person working their butt off, you know, behind the bar hustling for that one drink. And then they still have a whole lineup of other drinks they still have to make. So I think a big part of it is just what you value, because I didn't used to value alcohol at all. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm having a meal, I'm gonna have a drink too. But now I understand things like, like pairing dinners. I went to a beer pairing dinner and I didn't understand it at all until I realized, well, the beer's, you know, the food's complementing the beer, it's not the other way around. Like I had to wrap my head around that, like I had to wrap my head around. By the way, here's Seedlip. There's no, you know, alcohol in it. Like it it took time for me to really grasp the concept. But so you're
3: saying people have built up this value for cocktails and uh, spirits, right?
2: I think part of it's also so, I think a big part of it's also social too. It's just the whole thing about, you know, when you're with yeah. your friends and you wanna blend in. But then so
3: once we bring up zero proof mocktails, how do we take away that hold and value that they have with alcohol and spirits and how do we get people to start appreciating a zero proof or a mocktail?
2: I think it just takes time. And, and honestly, it's being open minded. And it's I think it's really hard after, you know, you you watch commercials and you watch your friends and you're in your, you know, whatever, your twenties or your thirties drinking and you know, everyone talks about what kind of drink you're having. No one talks about what kind of like, non-drink you're having. What kind of juice you have it? <laughs> so I, I think it's really hard. <laughs> it's- I don't want to
3: devalue it to just being juice. I'm sure it's a very fine mocktail.
2: And, and it's I- gotten better and better. I think every year you see, I mean, I see resorts in Orange County, the, the high-end stuff along the ocean. They have really, you know, they have select like zero-proof cocktails I never used to notice before but i I notice that now because i I'm always with someone who does the driving and he chooses not to drink, yeah, and
0: on my comments earlier, I wanted to clarify like I'm speaking generically, not talking about a specific experience, is that in general, there's a high margin for cocktails and there's a low margin for food, so like my metaphor right is when the three the three big uh record companies came together and they said hey cds are going to be 17.99 right and this is the price that they're going to be because there is no there is no value inherently in what a cd is but we're going to make we're going to make that value and so when you saw downloading come in later it was like oh apple's like 99 cents a song because that's related to somewhat of the value Uh, that's been established by these companies and like my big thing is how much should a cocktail be in your opinion dependent I know so much is dependent on the craftsmanship but that's where I've always had a hard time is like I feel like it's pretty common knowledge now to understand that a bar program supports the restaurant in a major way why aren't we willing to put those same margins in food because is it because of like there's a there's there's fast food available and we've been built to think that there's a, a dollar taco is what a taco is worth or a dollar hamburger is what a is what a dollar is worth and again i think that when i've paid twenty dollars for a co- for a cocktail you know at a tiki bar in new york like was it worth every penny it was absolutely worth every penny was it worth 22 dollars at employees only it was worth every single penny when i went there but i just i have like why don't we value that with food like when we go to that restaurant it's like that Whatever that burger is, no matter how it's sourced, it has to be a twelve dollar or under burger because I'm not gonna, I'm not going to pay twenty five dollars for a burger. I'm just like yeah. curious how you guys feel about that, the
3: food pricing in comparison to cocktail pricing. I feel that happens a lot with a lot of cultural cuisines and a lot of and that comes from within. Say, and I'm speaking from like a Filipino uh, space, Filipino restaurants whether you got these Filipino American restaurants are doing modern takes on Filipino food. They price it at X amount, $15 per dish, $25 per dish. Then you get the older Filipinos. Um, who are like, that's not Filipino food. That's too expensive. I can make that at home. Why is it so expensive? But then they don't realize the value in quality ingredients and paying for, a, a, a restaurant staff to, to include with these food costs. Um, and that's something that I see as a problem because not many people realize and value food enough and all the things that are tertiary to to that dish. And I mean, that's how I feel about it.
2: No, I'm in full agreement. I mean, so my degree is in hotel and restaurant management. Yeah. So I had to spend one quarter of my education was 10 straight weeks running a restaurant yeah. on site. So we rotated between bartending, serving, cooking on the line, things like that. And that's, that's where I got, you know my appreciation from and that's where i would get fascinated with people trying to see you know through the glass through the door i want to see my food being made and i think if if people don't really understand the kind of time and if if it was like more like the bar where you could watch the bartender making your drink you could really watch the time and the prep and the cooking and the plating and just making it look exactly the way it should i mean I don't think every restaurant should have some sort of like value combo price fix. I mean, that that kind of starts to degrade things. but yeah. but, yes, people you can almost apply what you said reach to almost any culture. it It just doesn't always apply. it People perceive their culture's food as being a certain cost, and they can't get past that. And it's I think it's kind of unfortunate. But at yeah. the same time, for the people who do understand it for the people who aren't as familiar with that cuisine, they're starting to gain that appreciation, and that's great. So there's always that, I don't know, imbalance mm-hmm. of the people who don't quite understand it because they grew up with it, yeah. and then the people who don't know the food that well, but they, they're they open-minded because they're at a restaurant that's charging a certain amount, and I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna open myself up. Yeah, it's kind of
3: like that $1 taco regime type thing. You go to your favorite taco truck, favorite taqueria, get a dollar taco, and it's great. It's wonderful. But you go to Gorilla Tacos and they're using like octopus and they're mm-hmm. sourcing X amount of ingredients. And they're still delicious, but they're charging more. How, how much more are they charging at Dur- I, Gorilla I tacos? don't even remember. But I,
2: it's, it's uh, you know. It's not the dollar. Not the yeah, dollar. it's probably taco.
3: at
0: least a 10X or something like
3: that. Sure. Yeah. So then people are like, why do I need to go there when I can get dollar tacos and fuck me up for 10 of them? <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, and I'd love to get into the actual experience that you had uh, at Temperance. So the article that that you wrote recently, um, you talk about multiple uh, zero-proof experiences, but I'd love for you to give us a high-level view of there's a a new bar that you experienced, and it happens to be in Orange County, but it's in also one of the corridors of Orange County that's known for its drinking. Um, so can, can you tell me about the, your temperance experience and and just what you learned along the way?
2: So the temperance experience actually happened just over the weekend. Okay. So it, it was the first time, the first of its kind in Orange County and temperance is considered a, a pop-up. So it's not a place you can go to any day of the week. Um, I believe it's the third Friday of the month. And it is held inside of a restaurant that they convert into a speakeasy setting. And it's, I mean, it's the idea that it's a whole, it's like a bar experience, but all your finely crafted cocktails and drinks are made zero proof. So the way that I spoke to to Corky, one of the founders, it was the idea that, you know, people, she wants it to be all inclusive. So whether you're sober, sober curious, or just wanting to try a day where or an evening where you weren't drinking for that particular night. That was kind of the purpose that it wasn't just about we just want people who don't want to drink.
0: Yeah. And then what was what what did you get the chance to experience from a from a drinking perspective? Like what were you having? What were the options available? Like, give our audience an understanding of what that experience was like
1: for for you, Izzy, <clears throat> since you were there. So, I didn't get I didn't like go in on all of them. I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to get super buzzed. You know what I mean? I just tried to. <laughs> <a, laughs> so I tried to. I tried one that was kind of off menu. That they it was a. We were there early for the media media event, and they had one. It had a mix of. I believe it was banana, I believe it was orange, there was like a mint leaf in there, and when I asked the bartender what he was like kind of throwing in there, something that looked unfamiliar, he pointed to the, the zero-proof um, spirit, essentially, and that's the base of it. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I had no idea that those existed, honestly. Um, that was my first time ever hearing of a zero-proof um distilled spirit or i don't even know what you would call it but yeah cuz I, I don't even think it's distilled i mean I, I, I don't I, know that though i think that's what he called it he called it a distilled spirit and i don't think it was by accident cuz i mean he was like a legit bartender he was like super into it he was like really into like crafting these a mixologist yeah he was a mixologist essentially so i i i he did say distilled spirit so i whatever that means i don't know but that's what he told me and you know it it looked beautiful all the drinks looked beautiful i was looking around at everyone grabbing their drinks everything looked like top-notch so it felt like a like a real drink it felt like a real drinking experience experience and actually to me one of the weirdest or what a weird experience was to me was usually when i'm covering these kind of things um where they're taking the photos doing the video or whatever someone off i oh, i guess i should have prefaced with um i guess listeners who have listened before i i don't drink i i don't i don't drink i don't smoke um so when i'm offered these kind of drinks i'm like oh no thank you i'm I'm not drinking today or whatever whatever i i always have something different to say mix it up a little bit but i was like wait i can actually drink this one so initially <laughs> i turned them i turned it away i was like oh no thank you and then I, I thought about it and i was like wait i can actually drink this thing you know so i grabbed one and i was like cool I'm drinking with everybody it's not like exactly it's not liquor but I'm drinking with everyone I felt included I was I didn't feel like I was left out I think that was something that was pretty cool and kind of important at least to me because usually I'm just a guy who's drinking either the Red Bull or the water and I was able to drink what was being offered as a special item to drink at that bar and I just thought that was a cool experience overall.
3: So the value you saw was in the, the inclusiveness?
1: Yeah, I think so. Do you feel excluded when you go when you go to a bar with your friends, Izzy? I don't feel um, so much excluded. I mean obviously when you go out with friends, like they're usually good friends and at some point they eventually know, okay, like Izzy doesn't drink and once in a while they'll be like, Hey, why don't you just try this one for the first time or whatever? But i i do i do feel there is a certain sense of a little bit of feeling like you're left out and like you're different just the way like everyone looks at you maybe someone that you don't know too well and they're like why isn't this dude drinking or like why isn't he having a good time well come on dog i still have a good time (laughs) (laughs) but but they do ask oh yeah yeah. i I get what you mean um, yeah. And that's funny enough. Cause they, that's, that's how it's usually equated at least to someone who maybe you've met casually at a party. They equate like, yo, he's not drinking some, he's not having a good time. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm having a great time. You know, I'm with my friends. I'm like living it up, but yeah, sometimes I'll do the, I'll do the red solo cup at parties with water just so like people will leave me alone, except for the, sometimes they'll be like, Hey, what are you drinking? And I'm like, Oh, it's just water for now or whatever, you know? But yeah, there, there is a certain sense of feeling left out a little bit at least. And I, I, I feel like that's got to f- be the feeling for people who have gone from drinking to being sober because, I, I mean, I don't know what, I, I can't experience that because I just haven't drank at all in my life. It's just not something that I looked toward, but I got to feel like when someone used to be in that scene and they used to experience it in a different way. They got to be feeling a lot different when they can't experience that anymore or they were forced in a way that they kind of overdid it. So now they have, to feel, they have to be sober, I guess, so to speak. So I can only imagine that they probably feel even more left out because they know that feeling of imbibing and like maybe taking it to the limit and then having to switch that whole mentality and be like, yo, like, what is my space now like what am i doing here at this bar with these people i'm just drinking this water i think that's probably i'd be interested to find out what those people feel at a at a zero proof bar like this
0: yeah because from in my experiences because i feel like we've had a probably a decent amount of similar experiences even though i do drink um, and have gotten drunk and stuff like that Um, I don't drink most of the time. And there's kind of like these three awkward experiences that always, almost always happens whenever I'm the person not drinking in a room full of drinking. The first one you've already described, which was, Hey, what are you drinking? And it's this awkward, small talk conversation where I have to, if I want to be truthful, basically admit that I'm just drinking a Coke and the conversation either a ends or b <laughs> or, or b just like there's a look of somewhat of disapproval and that happens a lot the se- the second awkward thing is like there's sometimes there's these there's these people at parties that cannot handle that you're not drinking and i don't know like if you've experienced this izzy but there will be like typically a boisterous person that's what are you drinking? I'm buying you something, and it's act. And what's crazy about it is that that's like, that's a gracious act. They're offering to buy me a drink. I. I want to accept that because that's how a relationship can form right with this reciprocity of you buy a drink I buy a drink. Yeah, we're celebrating and I'm just like, oh I'm having a coke and all of that momentum just like immediately stops <laughs> shows on their face <laughs> <laughs> And it's so and it and there it's been a point to now I start saying yes even when I don't want to drink not because of the peer pressure but because if I feel I want a genuine connection with this person, I feel like it's going to be easier to say yes than to be like, oh, no, man, I'm good. And then the who knows the conversation could stop there. The third thing is, dude, when there's a, an entire bar or an entire party or a group of people that's on the next level and you're not. It starts getting really awkward to me <laughs> because then you're just like you're not on their level, so I just like want to go home at that point because you just kind of feel weird that you're in a completely, you know, kind of regular mindset, and everyone else is getting
3: turned. And I'm not sure if you, I, I have an experience like that specific in Vegas of all the places. Uh, we were in a cabana. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, and everybody else around me was, you know, they were drinking. Uh, but I I wasn't really trying to drink that day. Uh, Admittedly, I was more high, because I I like to smoke instead of drink. And so if you're high, you're just chilling. You're just chilling (laughs) to cut. I have my shades on. I was like, you know, nod my head a little. Still having a great time. Everyone's like full on raging. And they're like, yo, are you even having a good time, bro? Like, what's wrong? Are you good? Can I get you something? I'm like, I'm chilling. I'm big chilling. i'm having a great time it doesn't look like how y'all are having a great time but we're all having a great time so
1: please understand that see what what having a great time means to me like i love people watching so i just like <laughs> talking shit, I see people getting hammered and doing stupid shit. like i'll just be at the corner or at the wall and just like watching it all happen and it's like fascinating to me just watching everyone interact with each other in certain ways and behave in certain ways. I think that's like super fun. I I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority in that. I'm no, in a, I No, you're not. I like watching people get wasted.
2: <laughs> like to breaking down the different types of drugs yeah. and things. <laughs> but Jeff's right so though. It's like,
3: that experience does happen
1: where it's like, if you're not drunk, you're suddenly like, oh my God, are you okay, bro? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> yeah, and then the pressure one that you brought up Jeff, I've had people like who have made it their life's work for the night saying that they're gonna be the one to get me drunk and I'm just looking at them like, Bro, I've never drank. You think you're gonna be the guy that's gonna be like, you know what? You're right. Let me just let me let me just have this cocktail. You're you know what, I've I've been dumb this whole time. But yeah, I've had people like chase me down at parties and be like yo you got to try this one or "Dude, try this one i've been there and i've tried it on <laughs> you Izzy. so i know oh, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm, I'm <laughs>
0: absolutely we've been at multiple food beast events and i'll just be like yo izzy will drink especially if i get fanbot on writer fam i was like if pete drinks come on izzy's got to like because i never knew because you're that guy well because it, it well one it was fun and that's <laughs> probably bad for hr but two is like i didn't well, because you also, Izzy, like, outside of you never drinking, there wasn't, to my knowledge, it wasn't necessarily, like, you're not necessarily straight
1: edge or religious. That's just a personal preference, right? I um, think at this point, yeah. Um, I did grow up in a religious household that didn't really think too highly of alcohol. So I, I feel like that's probably a lot of influence. And no one in my family really drank, um, at least while I was growing up. So that wasn't something that I was really exposed to much. Um, but at a certain point, you know, like going through middle school, going through high school, going through college. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've been around it. It's been all around me, but it's not something that I really felt that I wanted to take part in. And at a certain point, I was just like, I'm just doing this for me. Like, this is something like, I want to just like, it's your know. choice. Yeah, yeah, so I, I kind of think back, like, it's kind of silly, but have you guys ever watched Dexter? Yeah. He has his code, right? Yeah. I feel to, like, to a certain degree, like, this is my code now. Like, I can't break this. Like, this is my code. Like, it's just me. It's my thing. It's personal to me. No one else gives a shit about it, but it's my code, so it, it means something to me now. It's more than just um, not wanting to do it. I think at this point in my life, it's become, like, my dexter level code that i live by now
0: so with that code in mind though how do you look at a bar that you experience like temperance
1: like are you are you excited for for zero proof bars i don't i don't know if i'm excited per se i think i'm interested to see where it goes and i'm still kind of curious what the thinking is behind it um I mean, I've saved a lot of money over the years not drinking, to be honest. <laughs> so I don't know how excited I am to like start paying top dollar for non-alcoholic cocktails. Since I've spent my whole life drinking three-dollar Red Bulls at bars and like chilling. Yeah. Um, but I think it's an interesting experience to include people who are sober in those type of social and um, that type of social atmosphere. Um. I'm, I'm kind of for it. You know, I want to see where it goes. I want to see how far it goes. Um, I don't know if this is a fair comparison or assessment, but I mean, a lot of people looked weirdly or looked, you, looked at you weird when you were talking about vegan food, right? And yeah. this is to a lesser degree or maybe to a different degree, but what if this is something like that? You know, we don't know. This is very young. This is very fresh. Um, it's a new idea. And... I mean, we laughed at vegans. My, my personal food beast, um, profile would say that I don't trust vegans back when I first started here. (laughs) And now it's like, I'm cool. Like whatever I'll eat vegan food. It's great. Like a lot of vegan food tastes great. Like the, the idea of it has changed over the years. So I wonder if this will have a similar effect where there will be enough people who, who believe in being sober and kind of having sober experiences that maybe this takes off in a similar manner where it's like, yo, these pop-ups are starting to turn into actual bars. These actual bars are like serving hundreds of people a night or whatever. Like, what if that's the, that's where it's headed. I don't know if that's where it's headed, but I think it's an interesting conversation that maybe it will turn into that someday the way we all laughed at vegans and said, Oh, what are you eating dirt? Just like reach right now saying, Oh, you're just drinking juice. Like what if like that's a similar kind of thing, yeah.
3: Emery, do you see that as a burgeoning trend on the same parallel as plant-based?
2: My gut says no. And it's only because when we think about veganism and, and things about whether we say diet or lifestyle or because my doctor said so, you know, there's people whose lives are kind of at stake. A lot of people convert not not everyone but i know a certain percentage change because maybe of you know what they've been told about their health like i need to start cutting out meat because that's i've been eating burgers all my life and now it's affecting you know my my health down the line but i think with alcohol i mean it's going to take a lot of convincing i i think it's a great idea and i think it could take off but i think it's going to be even harder than accepting that that veganism is a great thing and and it can taste really good and and, and that it can grow quite as much just because I, I think at least, you know, from where I'm from or from, you know, the social circles I'm in, it, drinking is such a social thing. It's not, I, I just don't necessarily see it. I'd like to see it that, you know, I, I really want it to see it more prevalent, but being social and drinking seem to go so much hand in hand. It's going to come down to, you know, the way it's marketed, maybe or the, the word of mouth or or finding someone that you trust or you know to convince you i just i don't know
0: i feel like we're i feel like we're years and years away from having a restaurant row that has like an established mocktail zero proof bar on it that's thriving that that's me personally where i think tons and tons of innovation should happen first is in all the bars we're already at. And because for me, if I would love to experience the mocktail next to people experiencing the cocktail because that's where I felt welcome to experience it, right? I just, and you shouldn't be pressured at a bar to drink a cocktail if you don't want to drink a cocktail. But that's that's everywhere. If you're with a group of people and six out of seven people got cocktails and you didn't, Like, someone's going to make a comment. And is it, you know, is it, you know, directly aimed at your character? Like, no. But is it the comment that you have to take for that moment? Yes. And is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Can it ruin a night? Absolutely. So if you just take that away by like, oh, I ordered this dope mocktail that takes similar premise to what you're drinking, but without the spirit involved, I, I, I think everyone could benefit from that. And I just don't know if I'm ready to, to go convince my circle of friends to be like, Hey, let's go out to the non drinking bar because that, cause one, they don't understand it. Right. And that's why we're exploring it right now. But then on top of that, that just sounds like a lot of work. Like I'm like, yo reach Izzy Anne Marie. Yo, let's hang out Friday night. Let's do it. Let's go. Where are we going? Uh, temperance. It's this, uh, place that serves zero proof cocktails what's that oh it's this place that serves cocktails but they have these other spirits that aren't alcohol based what's that right like i feel like that's until it becomes and you hit it on the head amory there's there's a marketing moment that can happen right now because there's such a big like if even if you look at veganism right the last statistics that i remember is vegans in this country around six to seven percent right But you think about every headline that Food Beast has posted, every story around Beyond the IPO, Impossible, Burger King, Quick Service. If they were only serving vegans, there's no way Burger King can launch an item. There's no way Del Taco could have the most successful menu item in history with their Beyond Tacos. It's because there's other people out there that are like, just like you mentioned, Amory, oh, I will i'm gonna cut meat out because i think i should be eating meat less so if i can if i can grab if i can grab a zero proof cocktail every once in a while at the bars that i'm already at and it tastes good and they threw some egg white in that and they made their own bitters like yeah i'm gonna pay for it but i'm gonna hope for that that craft experience in the same way
3: i think that's a good way to lead to normalism uh and not make it so taboo however like in your article amory there was a specific instance or experience where you knew like Zero Proof was in the mainstream. And that was uh, up in Hillsburg, right? Right. What happened there?
2: So back in June of last year, when uh, Michelin started doing more with Southern California again, there was a place that I've always wanted to go to. And it just so happened that uh, the place called Single Thread got three stars which is huge oh wow that's yeah like, what three the most, sh- michelin stars three michelin stars thank you yes yeah, wow. and so that prompted the person i'd been trying to convince to eat there you know some people only go if it says maybe james beard or some some sure, sure. high ranking rating and so we booked a reservation and we went um was be- it hard to get the reservation because this was after it got three stars we booked it a couple months down the line. So it was what see, they got their three Michelin in June and then we ate there in August. Okay. So as soon as we could book it, we booked it. Yeah. So at least two months. And what I didn't know when we opened the menu was that, you know, you have your menu. Actually they don't even give you a menu till the end. Um, Wait, what do you mean? There's a lot of trust involved. What was it like a memento? <laughs> 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 okay. Oh, it is. It is like that. Yeah. Okay. You don't. You kind of go in there knowing it's seasonal. Like you see what people like take pictures of on Yelp or something like that, or what people tell you. But a lot of it, you you need to trust. You know, it's going to be seasonal. You know, it's going to be family style for a lot of it. You know, it's going to have like some of the freshest ingredients and seafoods and meats. But what I really didn't know was when I was looking at like the alcohol pages the the wine pages that there was a wine flight for two seventy I think it was, but there was also very specifically a non alcoholic flight of beverages
3: like an add-on yes, how much was
2: that a hundred bucks whoa, so I sat there and i'm like nah. I, I know how I get after like half a wine flight. So I was like, hey, no way I'm going to spend 270 But do I want to spend the 100 and feel like I'm drinking without drinking? And that's when I thought, you know, I, I'm going to give this a try. Like, what a
3: crossroads to
2: be at. Three out of four of us <laughs> did it. Oh, wow. One person dove into the wine. But we were like, we're going to try this. You know, two of them are driving. And so that was more one. The one I was with specifically rarely drinks to begin with so this was going to be kind of interesting um the hundred dollar juice flight that's what i was thinking. i sound terrible right yeah you. yeah juice. i know dude i was I'm, like I'm oh man that's
0: disparaging as fuck right <laughs> now dude like she's like talking about her this three michelin experience and you're like the hundred dollar <laughs> juice flight okay but we'll, okay yeah. but give us like what that what that flight was because I'm, I'm i'm again and maybe not so i don't expect you to remember every drink but what was your feeling what was your vibe what was it what was there any moments that were worth it and then did it make it into a piece did you write about it like anything like that
2: so it wasn't actually none of it was written anywhere so you you really didn't know what you were being served until like the food came out and your beverage came out so i was asked every single time a beverage came out like so what's in this yeah and they would tell you so i had things like what was one of them it was a tomato water with pickled wasabi and pickled pepper I mean, it was using very, you know, the same ingredients that were being used in the kitchen, but just being, you know, liquefied or made into a very drinkable form. Um, pineapple sage with preserved lemon. I mean, really great flavors. I mean, it, it does sound a little bit like just having a bunch of juice. No, you know what? I- it does. I mean, if, you, if you're just looking at it, you know, just word for word, you're like, oh, you know, mandarin peach, honeysuckle and hazelnut. I mean, like highfalutin, you know, at some point there's probably some juice in there.
3: Sure, but also there I mean, i I'm that guy who just defaulted to the one hundred dollars juice comment. But make no mistake. I have a respect for quality ingredients and them being used in those mocktails.
2: and that's what I experienced. I experienced, you know, I'm paying a hundred bucks for ten non-alcoholic beverages. Let's you know, the glassware was if I was having, you know, full on cocktails the the quality you could taste the individual if once he told you you know you could start to sense whatever was tart or sweet or or even bitter and the way they purposely made them to complement whatever was on the table that course it for me it was completely worth it but then it also you know at the end of the meal I'm like wow I just had re- ten really great beverages because if it was wine I would have been toasted like a third of the way through sure and I was able to enjoy the experience even more. And having beverages that I'm sure incorporated some of the ingredients into the food, so it was really, you know, like the ultimate pairing, in my opinion, and you know, in my eyes, affordable, all things considered.
0: Well, wow, you actually opened my eyes up because I never really thought about the like zero proof pairings as a way to get more out of your meal. Because if you did the wine, or if there's a beer pairing, or a spirit pairing and you're tanked by the third plate and you've got a six course meal, like then you've just actually destroyed your meal because how much are you remembering? How much are you tasting? How much has everything shifted? Because you've already, like for me, if I have three glasses of wine, like I'm done. Cause I don't have a, I don't have a tolerance. So as much as some people can have a flight of four or five wines with their meal, I'm definitely not one of them. And I'd imagine there's a decent amount of people like me or like you that a wine pairing might be too much. And so here's a way that is a chef or bartender mixologist recommendation to enhance your experience. I don't know. That's actually like I've been pretty somewhat cynical, but if it expands your experience on that level, and obviously we're talking about, I don't know a once in a year meal. Is yeah. that is that that was like, our slurge. Yeah, because yeah, I'm not having meals like that all the time. All the time, but if it enhances that, you know, and you're already dropping a couple hundred or more on the experience, like
3: I don't know, I think I think I'd be I think I'd push my chips in and do that too. I think Anne Marie like breaking down that experience is is uh, I guess turning me as well because. It's a great experience for those who aren't trying to get trashed, but also want to value their palates. You know, they want to keep that their palate intact. They want to-
2: Appreciate the food.
3: Appreciate the food throughout the enough. whole experience, instead of just being, like you guys said, being trashed or wasted four glasses in on a 12 course meal, you know? So
2: I like how you broke it down, Emery. I'll say two very, well, hopefully brief stories. So. I mean, I'm not just kind of joking around. I went to a really great restaurant once. It it had just reopened, like, West Hollywood area. And we went, and the wine flight was included. And, you know, I'd go to the ladies' room to to do number one.
1: (laughs) Do your (laughs) thing. Do your thing. As one does.
2: (laughs) So, you know, after the first, I think it was, I'll say seven courses. So I'll say, and it was full on like glasses of wine with each course. And this is long before I really started writing about food. Just, it was just a great meal, wanted to check out this really great restaurant. So the restaurant, not the beverage. And by the third glass, like it was harder for me to like, make it to the bathroom without spilling something. Like, yeah. I, I was happy I was wearing black. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and I remember like holding onto the counter in the bathroom, like, seriously, I don't think I can get through more wine. But then I thought, well, it's rude to like, You know, three quarters of a glass of wine left on a table. Yeah. But then let's talk about one or two years ago. I'm at that restaurant in downtown LA at the top of a building. It's 71 above, I think it's called. So I'm there and they're well known for their wine. So the Somali comes around and I, I feel really embarrassed to say this, but I say to her, look, I know you have a three glass wine flight. I can't make it to the third glass. Like, I don't want to embarrass myself. Is there can you just recommend like a glass for me that would go well with like my three courses, like well enough? And she said, tell you what I'm gonna do. And I felt like this was a really nice happy medium, not zero proof, but just some sort of happy medium. She goes, I'll do a flight for you, but it's gonna be a third of a glass. So for your three courses, it's gonna be a third of a glass of one wine, a second wine and a third wine, but not a full glass of each. And I'll charge you for that pairing, or for, yes, for that pairing, but you won't have three full glasses of wine, but you'll get the full wine experience.
0: Wait, but also you're still paying for the three glasses. I was right? still paying,
2: but for me, it was really I appreciated that.
0: No, for sure. I, I think that's a great half, I think that's a great hospitable half step to solve your problem. The hospitality would have been next level. She was like, let me pour you third third glasses of wine. I'm gonna charge you for this premium glass of wine. Uh, but you're able to still experience the coursing. Again, I get why you don't do that. I'm not saying she should've. She still went out of her way to like to make that situation good for you. And but, I, the, but, the, yeah. but the Asian economist in me is, <laughs> like, is like, oh wait, but should you just get the full three then and pass it off or, your some, money's worth. or something?
2: I mean, I didn't pay that evening, my date did, so maybe, maybe it turned out, you know, the bill looked different, I didn't ask. <laughs> But that, that's how she broke it out. I have never, you know, in all the whatever number of decades I've been eating, I, I haven't had that experience before. That there was a compromise. That she pitched me a counter offer. Yeah. And I was really happy with it.
0: Would you, if there were, if you could experience that every, everywhere you go, would you, would you like doing that more often?
2: I actually do something similar. Like there was a bar in Orange County. Um, I'm sorry, a beer tasting room. And I love that they break it down. They don't advertise it. But when you look at the pricing, you know, you can do the two, four, the eight or the full on pint. I love that, that they don't make a point of saying you could do that. But when you look, they break down the pricing on the wall so you can almost like build your own flight.
0: Yeah, because I actually because I think similar to Izzy's experiences, I'm sharing your experiences here, too, is. When if there is an option for a one-third glass, I I would I would want to expand my palate all the time because I'm not, I don't like wine a lot, but I found wines that I've liked. Mm-hmm. I just don't find them everywhere, and so it's one of those things where in addition to I don't need three full glasses of wine. On top of that, if I can get more choices to find out what I like, because wine lists are the most intimidating thing for me when you're looking at hundreds of options from dozens of regions and potentially dozens of countries like you know i only know what i know Mm -hmm. and you know i've we both have friends that are sommeliers but like Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to be a master one psalm. Like, I'm just, I'm never going to know enough. I don't like wine enough. But if I have an option to taste three wines with my meal and they were a third of the glass and I didn't feel like I was
3: wasting it, I don't know. I'd be all over that. Reach, would you, would you be into that or is, you want the full glass? No, no, I would be into it because uh, my experience with wine pairings is like fourth glass in, I'm like ready to just tap out. (laughs) Yeah. And the feeling of just being, X amount of courses in, you're starting to feel full and you're wasted. It's not comfy. Like as a meal experience, I don't feel good. Never mind the fact that I'm tasting exquisite things with my palate, but the whole feeling is just uncomfortable for me. And if I could have a third of a glass of wine, I'm taking care of my palate, but also taking care of my overall experience. So I'm for that. I like that too. Well, I I put some ice in glasses
0: because I want us... so. Let me finish my story that I started at the beginning of the pod. So I went on, I went on the hunt for these non-alcoholic spirits. So you had to go hunt for it. I did have to go hunt for it. I did think it was going to be easy because, uh, so um, with some of uh, the articles that um, Anne Marie introduced us to, one of them was from the Washington Post. They talked about Seedlit. We had been pitched on Seedlip before. I don't think we covered anything, but I kind of marked it in my brain. I was like, "Oh, this is interesting," and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna go see where I can go find it." Went onto the Seedlip website, went onto their store, their stockist store locator, found it theoretically on the Mother's Market right next to my house. So I was like, "Great." Went there. I already told you guys had trouble finding it. Then went to Whole Foods which there's a giant Whole Foods in Long Beach now. So it was like, you know, it's probably four or five times the size of the store that I was in previously. So I was like, all right, well, they're gonna have a larger beverage section. Maybe they'll have it. Interestingly enough, I talked to someone at Whole Foods and they're like their specialty buyer. And she was saying that they actually dropped the seed lip product because of potassium sorbate is in the ingredient deck i have no idea what potassium sorbate is i did some light researching online and it's found in like a ton of products it's a preservative of some kind so i can't speak ill will or not but it was definitely weird for me that i was like oh i'm looking for this emerging spirit that's not a spirit and then this person at a whole foods is like yeah we dropped it because of ingredient and i was just like what am i drinking then <laughs> anyway so but but she was like there's a bevmo across the street so i went across the street i was trying to lip for the third time and the guy's like i don't think we have that but come with me so he took me to the aisle where i picked up something that emery i believe you had said you've been at least introduced to the brand of people using this spirit in non-alcoholic ways mm-hmm. um and it's it's spelled like liars l l y r e apostrophe s which i'm assuming it's pronounced liars but i don't know yes okay but I also think that's very ironic that a spirit that's not a spirit is named a liar. Like, like that, that just, like, is super oh, ironic to me. Oh, I see that. Um, but it is spelled L-Y-R-E apostrophe S. So I brought two of their spirits,
3: and I wanted to try them live on the pod. Um, this is what it says for this. I have the American malt one, the dark one. Yeah. It says, it's an exquisite melange of natural extracts and essences sourced from the finest spices know oak and smoke extracts so it sounds like there's a lot going into this
0: yo read that and read that ingredient deck like what what's in a spirit that's not a
3: spirit all um, right so this is the american model the dark non-alcoholic one from liars ingredients water glucose syrup sugar caramel sugar syrup natural flavoring uh, citric acid and potassium sorbate cellulose gum for a stabilizer
0: well there's that potassium sorbate again but like, what are we drinking well i don't <laughs>
3: it's, it's not a science project
0: <laughs> i mean there wasn't anything that was like that we could light up and it wasn't because <laughs> i'm assuming what's the weirdest thing for my mind to get over is like if there's no distillation is this just like liquid in a vat heated and then mixed with spices spices. like is this a
1: tea it's a tea
2: (laughs) yeah like (laughs) like is this a
0: tea at that point well because tea comes from like specific types of plants so i i didn't maybe it's not a tea because of that but that's what it that's what it feels like in my head impossibly crafted tea so are you are you a dark spirit or are you a light spirit i like darks you like darks and then you like it neat right yes sir okay why don't you why don't you pour yourself a glass here Alrighty. And then taste test time, Emery. Which spirit do you want to try? I'll go light. Go light, and are rocks okay? Sure. Okay. All right. Let's do this. And then Izzy, can you open up those, or can reach or and anyone who can reach, open one. up those mixers? So I did. I did bring a couple of mixers with us as well and i wanted to you know and you can drink yours neat reach so because i'd actually like for you to do that before you put a mixer in Mm because i definitely want to try mine before mixer yeah but i also have mixers so i got ginger so in case you wanted to compare it to like a jamie and
3: ginger oh that's my go-to
0: okay yeah because i remember i remembered you ordering that before so i got ginger ale i got some vodka tonic you're Anne-Marie. you're so
3: thoughtful you're a, <laughs> you must be a great boyfriend jeff <laughs> <laughs> little thank things you. thank you man thank you <laughs> but i
0: got i got tonic for us Anne marie just okay. so we can kind of compare it to a vodka tonic but let's uh let's try this let's try this spirit and react live cheers to, uh, this is the this is my first time trying the spirit. Izzy, do you want to get in on this?
1: I'm good, man. I'll watch you guys. All right. Are, oh
0: are you not wanting to get in because it's still <laughs> alcoholic, even if it's non-alcoholic in nature? Are you uh. not
2: having a good time, bro? <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking? I, I
1: had my I had my fix at, at Temperance I'm good for the week. Okay. Until the weekend.
3: It smells It has a deep aroma to it. Very caramelly. <laughs> and, I'm, and i, and I, I have like the dark one <laughs> well, <laughs> well i have a dark what, what one what do you smell
0: yeah reach, reach has got the um, quote-unquote the american malt from liars Anne marie and i were trying the white cane
3: spirit and what? i i'm definitely smelling the sugars and the caramel in this
2: it just smells off like a science project <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't drink a bunch of Gmts or anything can i, so.
0: can I smell yours reach yeah.
3: and can i try yours you can try mine. all right so
0: oh um, this there's definitely a there's definitely a different smell the
2: caramel with yeah.
0: you get the caramel off the cuff with this one
2: because you got that sugary stuff in yeah. there so that's and it looks appropriate
0: it you taste the sugar uh so tasting yours there's also smoky smoky smoke yeah. Okay, so gut reach, gut reaction. You try you tried the uh the dark the liar what is it called again? American Liars. American malt.
3: You tried the American malt. What do you, what do you think? Taking one more sip and I a I, I like the Jameson stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but like don't oh I know I know our
0: brain is going to immediately yes. compare it. Yeah, yeah. But just as like a beverage itself, itself, like what 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 do you think? It tastes like tea. It tastes like tea. It's like tea.
2: I mean, I think these are really more meant to be mixed with other things. Sure. So, let so let to have ahead. it straight, I think is almost unfair. Okay. Right, wanna, okay. I'm gonna pour okay. the ginger ale with this, right.
3: like a Jamie ginger. Let
2: me. I might need more of the white cane. Okay.
3: More
0: white cane. Got it, Marie. How do yours taste it like? <sighs> I'm. Me, I don't have a lot yours. of words. I'm a pretty vo- verbose person. That's kind of. <laughs> let me try yours, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, let me, because there's been some ice melting. Let me just pour it a little more, just to make sure you can get that experience.
3: Oh. <laughs> I okay. Yours I, doesn't smell that pleasant.
2: Science project.
3: Right. Maybe my maybe my smelling is just poor, but I didn't really, I didn't hate the smell. I don't like it. It's not like, <laughs> I mean, it tastes like when you when you get an Otter Pop and you leave it out in the sun and it melts, so and
2: you get, try to salvage it. Get some plasticky in there. Yes, yeah, so it's like or?
3: plasticky and it just lacks a little bit more flavor. Wait,
0: what do you mean when it melts? Like, and then you salvage it? You put it back in the freezer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so you're saying like, oh, so like the packaging got into
3: the flavor or just something the sun <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just off it's off you
3: know all right let me try it with this mixer
2: okay so because white cane spirit i mean it tastes a little more was what i it tastes
3: great with a mixer
2: water yeah. glucose syrup yeah don't have a sugar it straight.
3: natural
0: flavoring, flavoring citric acid barley malt extract and the white
3: cane spirit
2: I guess these aren't aren't
3: meant to be stabilizer etc i
2: don't i mean
3: maybe we're going at this the wrong way
2: no i I think no i think they should be properly mixed into a cocktail like no one says i want you know my liars straight i mean i don't know maybe someone does i take that back wait
3: the connoisseur would say okay so i think the general
0: consensus is don't buy this to drink it straight but here's the thing these are 35 bucks each
2: Dang. I mean it's if you like can if you can't
0: drink something straight that's supposed to be an anti spirit spirit
2: no but okay wait but when you're making a cocktail you're not having you know a shit ton of I mean it's like an ounce a half sure, ounce. It's it's ounce whatever the yeah. thing is it's,
0: it, an,
3: it's a mix of things it just it tastes great Definitely, you got to mix it with something
0: yeah it ha- so that's the consensus is it has to be I still thought it was I think we did the right thing in trying it without the mixer. You have to You, you have, have it to try. Yeah, cuz we have to know what's like going yeah, yeah. into it. Absolutely. But that being said, for those listening to this podcast, don't do it. Just <laughs> just mix it with what But so did you try mixing it, Reach?
3: Yeah, I I, I mixed it with the ginger. And you guys
0: both And you guys both liked it? I like it I a liked lot. I liked it better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that tone <laughs> better. <laughs> Maybe they're meant to be made by a mixologist. I mean, look, yeah, we aren't we aren't pouring, we're not doing craft
0: mocktails
2: over uh, here. Yeah,
3: exactly. I'm saying like throw a, a sprig of fresh rosemary in this bitch and like, oh, wow,
2: <laughs> here we are. $14. <laughs> and I think it'd be great. But think about it. If it's sold in retail, like the general population after three tries, you know, going to stores would have access to it. They're going to want to take it home and try it. So I get it. It's. Well, no, I don't get it really. but leave i I look, lead to I, the pros. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I see the value of the zero proof in what Jeff is saying where it's like, hey, for those that don't drink like Izzy or whatever, and they want to feel inclusive, like have some zero proof or some mocktail options on the at your regular bar. I think there's a great value in that and feeling I have everybody feel inclusive.
0: Rich, do you feel like? in 10 years after you've started to see this more places and you're hanging out with a friend in LA on a Tuesday, had a long weekend, not really trying to get anything right. Yeah. Um, tr- trying to get into anything I should say. And there's a, and there's a zero proof, like three cocktail menu, uh, where you're at. Like, does that interest you? You think in the future,
3: like, yes. Does Absolutely. it interest you now? It, it interests me now. Matter of fact, yesterday, I was at a restaurant. I was with somebody, and she was like, I just want something that tastes like a cocktail, but doesn't feel like a cocktail. That's really what she said? Yes. And she's like, can you just get like a soda water and get some like cranberry and spritz it in there or whatever? Like something that makes it feel like a cocktail. And they're like, no. But she's like, but you guys have a bar. You guys can't do that. And they're like, no, we, we can't help you with that.
2: Wait, really? Yeah. Was it corporate, or was it just like mom and pop? Like, what are we talking about here? I mean, they have like a, a handful of locations, but not like sure. super corporate. But but they were fussing about not putting alcohol into a drink. They were more
3: like, we can't we can't make your soda water with a spritz of cranberry on it. But hey, here's a three dollar strawberry mimosa. Mm. That's what they. What is, what place is this? Bossa Nova
0: what they have a full bar and they can't make you the simplest mocktail in the world
3: i i wish they would have but they they couldn't so they couldn't said, or they did it i'm i'm thinking ladder i'm thinking they did it i'm thinking ladder um. so because then they're like all right well here's a three dollar strawberry grapefruit
1: passion mimosa
2: they wouldn't know how to ring it up they're like afraid.
1: That's probably the only thing. Really, they just know. didn't know how to ring it up, and they're like, "Ah, we we'll just won't do it."
3: But see, that answers your question, though, because like there is a need. There's a time for it. There's a need and a time. Like, who, uh, if I don't want to feel something, like I'm drinking a cocktail, but I'm not trying to feel some type of way. Like, sure, like give me a give me a mocktail. Yeah, man, because. In some way, with everything going
0: craft, right? Every type of product in the grocery store now has like the org- the organic natural uh, small batch version, which I, f- I fully support. It does create a ton of brands that it's so hard to know your brands in the supermarket now because there's just so many, right? every every supermarket has its own private label plus all of these upstart brands that you might see in a mother's or a whole foods or and you won't see at a food for less or an albertson's whatever but i do think this craft movement towards beverages not only just on the zero proof stuff but like because i don't really drink like I, lo- I love soda and i shouldn't drink as much as i probably do but the amount of options that exist now are just crazy, like crazy. You want imported soda from South America? It's available. Like you want the craft batch soda from Portland, Oregon? <laughs> it's available. I don't know. So we're in some ways, there's more options than ever. How do you guys feel about that? And Loop Zero Proof Cocktails in that is... Is the amount of beverages available at any place good, bad, wh- or why?
2: I mean, I like options, but that's like opening the Cheesecake Factory menu. Like, you just, there's just so much to choose from, and you just don't know where to go with it. Or, like, a wine list. You're like, I only know what I know. And then you need someone to guide you. So, I don't know. It's weird that you mentioned soda because in my head, I was thinking about how much i used to love soda but i cut it out that was my personal choice to cut out soda yeah. but my substitute i'm just obsessed with like club soda sure i want the fizz but i don't need the taste
3: i think cheesecake factory's menu is great options for everybody so if i see myself in the future where i'm like let me get a white grape apparol spritz with a premium ginger ale rosemary sprig on top with a dash of pepper and it tastes great. I'm like that sounds like a great cocktail. Let deal. me have it. <laughs> oh, that was off
2: the top. That was off the top. Reach <laughs> off the top. Mixologist in training. <laughs>
0: have you got? Have you guys heard of? Uh, so we Costa went. Ryder Costa went to the fancy food show. Oh. Also, also my girlfriend was at the fancy food show up which, north. Up north in in SF, and she texted me. There's this company called H two. Hops, like hops, but like H two O water hops. Yeah, so it's It's hop water. So it tastes like beer. This is bitter, and it's carbonated, mm-hmm. but there's no alcoholic content. Interested? Yes or no? No.
2: <laughs> that was so fast. I don't like hoppy. I'm not. I'm the non IPA yeah. person in the room. So, Look,
3: if you're gonna drink beer for the taste of it. One, what is wrong with you? And two, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Like, no, people drink beer to get wasted. or No, to, 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 no that's not true, come on. Reeves, that's a Beer tastes gross just for ha- if you're drinking it for fun. Okay, okay, here's the thing.
0: Do I agree with you? Yes. But do I think there's a ton of people who specifically like hops, taste yes me i'm not that i know, people. yeah i know i get that but how else can you explain just the triple hop, hop ipa crate like just it's so there's so much hops everywhere but
3: hop water <laughs> <laughs> that
0: sounds okay disgusting. i know okay I, I think so too but again trying to play devil's advocate here is is that the mocktail for beer right
3: I guess. I mean if if White Claw can have a space. <laughs> I tasted well, White Claw but, for the first time yesterday and it was it was cheeks. It was terrible. You hate it? I hated it. Okay, break it down. It was just It's I, the it's the biggest growing segment in all six hundred million dollar and- segment they own in, in, in that seltzer alcoholic seltzer space i i I could be wrong white claw yeah i could be wrong it's maybe a figure that i pulled out of my head just like a (laughs) rosemary spring but i feel like it's like that but anyways so you had white claw for
0: the first time it was cheeks bro
3: that
0: that was was terrible i'm not sure if I'm not up with the lingo like it was terrible i know when you said i know i I get that but like i I thought that was was a positive i thought that was a positive (laughs) like oh that's
3: cheek Like, like chic but like not. like good butt cheeks i don't know i don't i'm not with it i'm not it was terrible
0: okay but what makes you what makes you say it's terrible here here's it the, here's, terrible. here's 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 the funny story that i have okay is my my mom does not drink that much so that's part of the reason why i don't drink that much my parents opened up alcohol when I was a teenager and said look if you want to try it try it go ahead don't get drunk but try it And I think because it was semi-allowed, right, in the home to just, like, try it, there was never this taboo of, like, oh, I got to go get drunk because, like, theoretically, I could and there wouldn't have been, even though they told me not to, it wouldn't have been the craziest consequence when they open up their very small liquor cabinet of, like, they had a whiskey from the 90s, like, Jack, from like, that literally just stayed untouched. Um, And... It's a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and I come over to my parents' house. My mom's reading the newspaper, sipping on a White Claw. Ooh. <laughs> and, what? and I go, Nancy Kimio Kutnick. <laughs> With it your is, hands on your hips. <laughs> it is before noon. <laughs> what are you drinking right now? She's like, have you had White Claw? Which is so funny of an interaction <laughs> because obviously like anyone... In the in the millennial Gen X millennial and even Gen Z now I think feel like especially obviously in the food and beverage industry you know it but it's just taken everything by storm right there isn't there isn't a, a beverage that has had more success in the past couple of years than seltzer and so she feels like she's introducing this to me right so <laughs> she's you're not like, with it have you had have you had white claw you didn't know about it. And so I was like, yeah, well, I've I've had it, like, but where did you know about it? She's like, I got introduced to it recently, and it's only 5%, so I can drink it at any time. (laughs) I was like, who are you, mom? And look, she's also, like, nearing the, like, don't give a fuck retirement age to where, like, even if she... Even if she did want to drink a bottle of wine, what's a day, it to you, jack? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. What? Well, <laughs> who? Who am I? I'm not judging. I was just so surprised that
2: it was white claw. That
0: my non-drinking mom was casually sipping white claw, <laughs> on and a I Sunday was like, morning.
2: this is why they're so successful. <laughs> marketing, you can just, the marketing.
0: Well, but what not did I even, the, but not even the marketing, though, man. I know you don't like it, but I'm saying there's a lot of people that just love it. They love the taste. They love that it's just light airy and lightly flavored like la croix
3: nah <laughs> those people got some busted palates. how do you feel how do you feel about white i haven't had it a... you ain't missing nothing <laughs> by choice no you're good emory you ain't missing nothing i'd
2: rather have a gin and tonic at that
3: <laughs> exactly keep your dignity
0: emory <laughs> uh what's What's next for you? What are you What are you covering in the in the food and beverage world? And uh, where Where can people Where, where can people find you and your and your writing?
2: Um, I recently joined the team of Voice of OC, and they're strictly online. Yeah. So, but they're also nonprofit, so it's a .dot org. And so I was asked to launch their food and beverage section. So I, Temperance was my first piece. So I'm working on some other stuff right now. But I, I'm in. Certain other places. I freelance a lot. Um, I think that allows me to see things in print and online. So say locally, if you're down in Costa Mesa, the restaurant magazine for South Coast Plaza that's called Taste. I have a collaborative piece on their cover story about the nine new restaurants entering that plaza.
0: Which Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, The amount of restaurants that already exist in... I mean, I would say it's probably... The best example of like a luxury mall on the West Coast. Don't call it a mall. Yeah, I know. I know they don't like hearing that. <laughs> what are but we like, supposed to call it? Though? I know. A shopping, a, 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 a retail, an upper end retail experience. Oh, reach my. But yeah, but like it's, I think it's one of the best ones. And it's crazy because of the amount of food investment that is going into all malls across the spectrum, whether it's, the shopping center who's trying to replace the grocery store that left to the high end, which is South Coast. Nine new restaurants, anything Anything you're excited about?
2: I'm kind of excited about the second location of a place called Outpost. Okay, what is that? Uh, so uh, I didn't even know what type of food it was at first, but it's they, they consider it along the lines of what they coined like an Australian type fair where, it's it's super healthy, but it's primarily they, they're gonna they do dinner now too, but a very huge focus is on the breakfast and lunch. Just uh, having like beets on things in the morning and, and just beautiful it like a good looking breakfast. Like I'm not used to you know, not just yolk porn and, and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yolk porn. Um, but like super ridiculously healthy and it still looks good and it still tastes good, like all three and things of that nature. But that's built right up against gonna be across the street right up against the Phil's coffee oh they're gonna get phil's coffee oh it's already open oh okay um but yeah that that gets me excited but actually the thing i've been excited about the most was the new place by amar santana so the guy from top chef yeah he opened opened up the hall right yeah so his version of a food hall where it's all curated just by him and i was actually just at the bar for the first time last week and it was wonderful
0: i know so I know in the food hall space, like there's a publication that we work with a lot and respect and we've had one of their writers on the pod timeout has a ton of food halls, like timeout branded curated. And, uh, it's like the, the, it's actually their main revenue driver now, which is really interesting. Yeah,
3: They're like in other countries
0: too. Yeah, totally. I haven't heard of, I mentioned it because I'm thinking of different business models for these food halls. I actually haven't heard of a celebrity sh- Chef and I might be missing my mark here because I don't know, but a celebrity chef curating an entire hall, and I know it's four like four concepts, give or, four or take four five. I think five, maybe if five. The if bar. you count, yeah, the bar um, that feels like newish to me in the sense of I can i don't feel like i've seen that pitch i don't know I, I can't say across the country that it hasn't been done but it feels new to me
3: if, i mean i know jose andrest recently did it at hudson yards okay oh, okay yeah, yeah with that uh all spanish food hall in, in hudson yards in new york so that's one of the few instances i've heard of a food hall that's like purely curated by a celebrity chef yeah
2: oddly enough down the street so not far by john wayne airport I actually stumbled upon when I was researching uh, Brian Malarkey from Top Chef, mm-hmm. literally opened something on the outskirts of UCI back in November, December. And it's it's kind of, it's, it's the same, but it's not the same. There's no booze, but like coffee bar, poke bar, panini, like it's all falls under him with these smaller concepts. So I thought that was kind of odd. That, yeah, the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, wait, but that's kind of like Amar, what he's doing at the hall. So I don't know. How do you,
0: what's your current views on food halls in general as a food and beverage writer who I'm assuming has been probably to now, I don't know, close to a dozen maybe with between your writing and what's available in Orange Orange County? County? Yeah, that's just here. That doesn't count if you stopped by like in Vegas, the... 10 that are there and mm-hmm. opening in at least strip side that are opening all across, all across the strip. And
2: I've been to some in like Denver and yeah. Like, like what's your,
0: what's your, what's your vibe on food halls?
2: I think when they first started coming out, I just kept laughing. Cause I'm like, this is really, it, it's a food court with very specific vendors. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, a lot of the time it starts off with people who used to be a food truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then now it's just people who have a very specific concept and, I think it's great, but I don't know. You know, you can only take so much of the same idea. I think some places do it better than others because I'm the person that's going to go there and not just look at the food, but like, is there parking? Is there seating? You know, is there a variety? You know, how? what's the price point? So I think some places do it better than others.
3: Atlanta has great food halls. Really? Yeah. Okay. They have a, this dope one, I uh, I forget what the name exactly was, but it's along the the beltway in Atlanta. And, like, it's just people are just biking, riding through. And then you get this really dope food hall that's well-curated. And it's, like, guess, many stories, X amount of stories. So um, I enjoyed the, my food hall experience in Atlanta particularly.
0: I'm just so afraid of the economics of food halls because of how many there are. And these are, instead of, like, a restaurant opening up these are 12 restaurants opening up 12 proprietors that have a stake in something succeeding and then one opening three miles down the way right like <clears throat> in orange county specifically like uh you know like with the food hall that was in the district mm-hmm. um that's a literally a mile away from a brand new food hall that opened up in another part of tustin on the same street and it's just like how how many food halls can be opened before I don't know before before that mini economy collapses and because I I art we already know that we're in the most restaurants per capita in the history of the world like we already we already know that and then we're adding these you know we're replacing retail with these food halls and the you know in malls it's funny because you see these glorified food halls coming in but there's still a food court there's still there's still the restaurants that were there before and i don't know i'm just afraid of i'm afraid you know who i'm most afraid of i'm afraid of for the proprietor who worked their ass off building a model for a truck thinks that the food hall is the next stage for them and for whatever reason it's like the wrong move too late and i don't know i just
2: I'm just worried about it, but. I mean, for some, I won't say for all, but for some food haul, I'm sorry, food truck proprietors, the idea of getting off the road is really comforting, Yeah, not dealing with the, all the issues that come, not just with the restaurant, but with a, a vehicle. Yeah, The parking and getting the gigs and things like that, things breaking down. But I think when you have, so the thing with food trucks is what always worked for most of them is to have the variety. So one food truck is great, but when you have two or three all put together, a roundup, then the person that's coming will be like, "Well, I don't feel like this, but I kind of feel like that." They they want that variety. Yeah. So the food hall enables that variety, but I think Orange County just has a lot. Yeah, a lot.
0: Because like the variety at what cost, right? Because I know we want options. Does it Does it survive? I don't know. There's just so so many.
2: I think as long as you're curating them with enough variety like you're not getting ridiculously redundant like that that that, you know doesn't turn into like a mcdonald's in every corner i feel like and there's nothing wrong with a mcdonald's sometimes i want my my fries but like you know if if the two tustin concepts have too many similar things hypothetically Mm -hmm. because i don't i don't think that they necessarily do but
3: yeah i mean a food hall is supposed to be a carefully curated, unique experience. And I think ubiquity will be its downfall.
0: And marie where, uh, where can our audience find you? Instagram, Twitter, where where can they uh, see your stories as you publish them?
2: I'm usually on Instagram under brekkiefan. Fan.
0: we spell that for everyone?
2: B-R-E-K-K-I-E-F-A-N because breakfast is the greatest meal. Yeah, it is.
0: Agreed. Well... <laughs> Fatties, thank you for listening to another episode of The up. Reach, thanks for stepping in for Eli. My pleasure. It's good to have you in the seat vibe a little bit. It's nice. I hope I did you proud, Eli. Yeah, you did me proud, so there's that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Izzy, uh, producer Izzy, thank you for everything. Jumping on the mic this week. Um, I'm I'm at Jeff Jeff Cutnick Reach, where can people find you?
3: Um, Instagram, at reach ginto r e a c h g u i n t o is is the underscore serious and uh, make sure you guys follow at
0: the food food beast ketchup and we would love if you left a review in the apple podcast store until next week guys thank you so much gracias bye <laughs>